Let me get this started. How is the well? We kind of want to do this process. Um, what is it? And then I'm going to talk about the future uh, with local missions, with global missions, and how this is actually going to be part of what we're doing. So I'll introduce Garth now. All right, guys. Thank you so much for all coming in today. Uh, clip this on quick. So yeah, I know like um, many of you guys are already involved in some kind of ministry, whether it's in the church, whether it, your ministry is going outside of the church into the uh, local community, or if you're doing something globally. And so kind of like the skit just demonstrated, there, there is a best way to be doing ministry. And it, these ministries, like, you know, ministries have been around for hundreds of years, and there, there are time-tested principles which we can learn from. And so we're not repeating the same mistakes over and over again. And just from my own experience with uh, the Target neighborhood, like, you know, I went out there with not having a lot of ministry experience, and there were a lot of times, you know, that, that I did learn things the hard way out there, and it would have been nice to have heard uh, some of the things that, you know, that I've been learning about recently and just in the past year or two, you know. So we'll kind of share some of those things with you guys and uh, just kind of break down what is Christian community development, because it's kind of a word that's thrown around right now. It's getting more and more popular, but I think a lot of people still don't know exactly what it is. Um, so Christian community development, it's always associated with a church. The best kind of development you can do in a community, it's going to be through your church because you look at what Jesus said. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not stand against it. And so the church is to be on the move. It's to go into the community and break down, you know, the strongholds that are out there. And what, what better way to do it but, but through the people that God is empowering to go out and, and make a change. So, you know, a lot of you guys are involved in things and you want, you see the world, you know there's something that, that's just not right with it. You look at our community, you look at Fresno, you look at the world, there's, there's a lot of problems out there and we want to do things to, to make things better, you know. And so we need to know the best ways that we can make that, that difference, not just like doing like one-time things, but things that are developmental and that are being long-lasting. And so we're going to break down some of those kind of things for you guys. Like uh, I was thinking like, you know, a lot of people right now are believing that Barack Obama is going to be able to solve all of these problems, but like he's going to do some good, I'm sure, but like we, you cannot count on Obama to, to solve all the problems. I think a lot of people are getting their hopes up for that. And uh, we know that we as the church have a responsibility to go and, and really make that change that, that needs to be made in the world. Um, there's a really cool uh, poem. It's uh, actually a Chinese philosopher. Um, it's, it goes along with what Christian development is. It says, go to the people, live among them, learn from them, love them, start with what they know, build on what they have. But of the best leaders, when their task is done, the people will remark, we have done it ourselves. So then um, from that, you, you know, you're just seeing what, what Christian, de Christian community development is through that. Um, there's three kind of facets to the ministries of Christian community development. There's ministry in the church, minist or ministry in the church to the people, ministry to them, and ministry with them. Um, you guys might want to follow along with me. I'm going to just kind of read through it just so I get everything straight. Uh, ministry in is when a church implements a ministry in a community. It chooses the programs and services it will offer based solely on what members want to do for themselves and possibly for the community. The church gathers little or no input from the community about the choices of programs and services and where these services should be provided. Most often these minority programs are short-term and do not address long-term community needs. Most of the activities take place at the church and the major of the excesses in this approach is to community ministry and is the number of people who sign up and participate in the program. 
Uh, so the next step from there is ministry to the people, and this is a variation of the ministry in approach. The location may not be the church, but as with the previous approach, little or no input is gathered from the community as to the type and content of programs or services provided. The program is taken to the community, but as with the ministry in approach, it does not reflect any community participation in the planning, and it tends to be short-term rather than a long-term response to community needs. The measure of the success in this approach is the number of people who participate in the program or the event and the church's capacity to implement programs outside of its own building. So some of uh, the things you would do on a ministry to approach, like you're starting to maybe assess some of the needs that you're seeing in the community, but sometimes what's happening is you're starting to place labels on people. Like you might say, well, there's a single mom or, you know, she's on welfare. Here's a a guy who's out of jail and he's got a felony. And so when you start seeing those needs, you're trying to, to somehow meet them. But then what happens is you're labeling people and they start buying into that label that is on them and then they never get out of that situation that, that they kind of got themselves into. And how, how can we, you know, as a minister or church, provide something that can develop them from where they're at and maybe do something that is even with them, uh, which is the next thing is the ministry with approach. Ministry with the community starts by gathering input and information from members of the community. This information is used to determine which programs and services the church can offer to make a long-term impact. Ongoing evaluation and input from the community members participating in the programs is expected. The location can be any appropriate venue in the community depending on the purpose and input gathered. So in this case, um, as you're, maybe, Brian will kind of hit on this about like what it might look like to relocate into a community that you're doing ministry in, or if your church is maybe in that community, um, you're starting to know the people more that you're wanting to help. You're starting to live life alongside them. You're actually understanding what they have to offer instead of just kind of uh, judging some of their, you know, some of their inadequacies, you're starting to really see like, oh, these people, they have something to bring to the table. They care about their community. And how can I kind of work alongside them to maybe help them, empower them to solve their own problems? And so that's kind of really what we're trying to, to bring together with uh, our ministries and, and really uh, just try to keep going for more of that understanding of what a healthy ministry could be. Um, so yeah, that's about it for my part. Brian will keep touching on uh, some, of the, some of the other principles of Christian community development. <laughs> Where is this going to be recorded at? So this will be put online. So. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Um, so I wanted to just briefly talk about, uh, there's a kind of a civil rights activist named uh, John Perkins who in the 60s and 70s basically was um, being involved in urban ministry and uh, was looking, um, one time came to the Bible and was like, I need some sort of a strategy for what I'm doing in these communities. Like, God's got to have learned something out. So um, he opened, um, actually, to uh, the passage in John 4, which is the woman at the well. Um, and so I'd like to share with you a little bit about what he found. This is most of uh, stuff I kind of... Uh, took out from a, a book called With Justice for All from him. Um, but these are the, like, he came up with three lessons, basically, from Jesus' interaction. Do you guys all know uh, the story of the woman at the well? Hands? Anybody? A few people. Good. Um, so I just want to kind of show you what he uh, ended up finding out about uh, this, this strategy. So he came to her while, while Jesus walked through Samaria. He came to her and chose to go through Samaria. Um, he didn't have to, but um, Jesus um, 
I mean, I guess the Jews typically would stay as far away. They wouldn't even want their shadows to touch the shadows of Samaritans. So him, like, him basically going through that um, was a significant point. Um, he wanted to touch the lives of people in Samaria. Um, the second one is Jesus' presence in a community could reconcile people. Um, Jesus surpassed the racial barriers of his culture. His method, his method seems to have one that goes beyond ourselves or our sides of town in Fresno. So um, Jesus went to the people to kind of show, um, I don't know, uh, what, what uh, a relationship with, what, between different classes could be like and a relationship between uh, God and people. Uh, the third one was Jesus let her need determine the starting point of their conversation. He didn't just talk about her need and show up and say, uh, you know, um, this is where your faults are. Um, he, he brought his own need. They both had a common need. Anybody know the common need? <coughs> water. Water, exactly. That's how basic it started out for Jesus. Um, by asking her uh, for help, he affirmed her dignity. Um, as John Perkins states in a book, uh, man's most deeply felt need is to have his dignity affirmed. Um, so... Um, so out of this story, what, what now is commonly referred to as the three R's, which is re, uh, relocation, uh, reconciliation, and redistribution. I'll kind of outline those and, and talk a little bit about practical ways that that's worked out. Because um, it might just sound like way over our heads, but like we, you're probably participating in some of this right now. You know? um, so relocation, in order, uh, in order to effectively minister to the poor, we, have to, we must re relocate in the community of need. So we can't be coming in and out like to, to make the biggest impact that we can. Um, their needs are now my own and uh, not theirs only. So you turn um, us and ours to uh, we and ours? Wait, us and... You and yours to us and ours? Yeah, there we go. Yeah, um, so basically like, like what the well is pushing for is people... Not, I guess not pushing, that's kind of aggressive, but um, <laughs> encouraging for people to do is if, if we're going to be making a lasting impact to go beyond the first three or four or five years that we've been, we're going to have to become part of that neighborhood, right? So we're going to have to, like, we're going to have to know the people in the neighborhood and I guess kind of do the things that they would do, right? Um, shop where they shop, because now you, you guys share a common fence among your houses, you know? Um, so a, a story that I have of relocation that kind of impacted me was when I was living in the Pink House, which is an urban ministry training center in downtown. Um, I, I was blessed to be able to be a substitute teacher in those neighborhoods. So I would walk across the street and sub at the school that I would then see kids in the tutoring program around the corner. Um, and so it was just, it just made for more of a, I guess, like fluid motion of, um, impacting kids, you know, um, so the, the second one, reconciliation. Um, man's reconciliation to God through Jesus Christ is clear, clearly the heart of the gospel. But we must also be reconciled to each other, right? So um, I guess bridging those gaps of um, racial, economic, and cultural barrier, barriers isn't an aspect of the gospel that's optional. You know, we're called as Christians to bridge that gap between, between classes. Um, so obviously a big, a big section of or a big way this can be practically laid out is the thrift store that Garth and I are, are, have been blessed to be a part of. You know, so as we bring volunteers from this church down there with community members, there's a, rec there's a small s sign of reconciliation happening between them. You know, like we're able, I, I'm desiring to learn Spanish. 
one of our volunteers is desiring to learn English. How can we make that work? You know, like, um, that's also part of the third one of redistribution. Um, redistribution, the well works that out in the thrift store. So redistributing the goods um, that are unwanted up here to goods that are desired and, I guess, needed down there. So um, Christ calls us to share with those in need, but not in just a money way. You know what I mean? Everybody's asking for money, and, you know, like, money's also needed to help run ministries, but we're also, um, I guess, called to um, distribute our time, our energy, our um, skills that we have. So if you're blessed with a... a, a um, a college degree, how can that be used to distribute like what skills and knowledge you have and how can the experiences that the community that you're in, how can those affect you? Everybody has something to learn in, in that. So, um, and the goals of this are not absolute equality. You know, we're not asking that everybody is on the same level then, but a more equitable distribution of resources. So if I have a kid that's growing up, maybe he has a few more books than the kid next door and they can share and that's a small sign of redistribution in the neighborhood. So those are the three R's of, of community development. Why don't, you, why don't you share about your experience, like, where, you know, like from suburbia, you know, kind of what you did last night, but from suburbia to re, you know, relocating into the neighborhood. Okay, yeah. So I, I grew up in a suburb in Bakersfield, and um, I guess I went into urban ministry with maybe n not the right uh, perspective, you know, of like what I wanted to see happen, but through me just being willing, God opened up a door and led to the Pink House, which is an urban training center, which then I, understand, I started understanding small, like, um, foundational elements of the poor and of um, inner cities and of homelessness and um, a number of different things, racial reconciliation. Um, so, so being able to understand that God can use me to speak to and just be a part of um, kids' lives out in this area of town and sh kind of bridge that gap between inner city and um, suburban kids has been, and, you know, just people alike, like having, having an opportunity to have two people in our uh, congregation come down to the thrift store and volunteer a couple hours. I think they're in their mid-60s, but they're working alongside um, an African-American student at Fresno City and a Hispanic lady from our neighborhood. It's just like, when I, when I saw that, I was like, where else is this going to happen? You know what I mean? Very few places do people get to work alongside of each other and, and learn a little bit about each other. So, um, I'm going to kind of share some verses from, from the Bible of just God's heart for the poor. And I would challenge you to just, I don't know, glance over some of the scriptures. Uh, just spend some time looking through the word. If you take your time to look, you'll see it. It'll blow your mind of how many times in the Bible Jesus' heart I really do believe Jesus has a heart for the poor. His heart is stronger for the poor because they're in need. There's a lot of injustice against them. And there's a, you know, a two-pronged thing where they put themselves in situations, um, but also that society has also put those in situations. Um, if you study kind of the Old Testament, uh, you can see that God always set up a system to get them out of it. So a Jubilee is the perfect example where every 50 years, God hit the reset button. Every 50 years. So say, uh, you know, Denise owed me money. I go, okay, after 49 years, that's get reset. 
she, she no longer owns me money. She can go back to the land she used to live on. It's a reset. For just in case you had made some dumb decisions or society had made some decisions against you, you could now press that reset button. God always set up a system where the poor could uh, succeed, get out of oppression, um, and that's really his heart. Some of the verses uh, that I put there on this paper, Jeremiah 29, 7, But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray, for the Lord, pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. Micah 6, 8, He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God. There's so many times, uh, you know, Brad always, he, one of his favorite texts, you can tell, is Malachi. He talks about Malachi 3 a lot. And just the idea of that we can come to church, we can do our thing, we can tithe, write our big checks, just come, do the religious things. But then God goes, I don't want any of that. I don't care. He's like, I don't care about any of that. Why don't you actually take care of the people around you? Why don't you take care of the people in downtown Fresno? Um, and so that's for us as a, as a church and uh, in missions, like that's our heart that God tells us to take care of those people um, and take care of those that have kind of just been you know, uh, swept aside, and especially you look at Fresno, I should have brought a map, but you can see in Fresno just the movement. Well, the west side and downtown Fresno, I mean, you have 60% uh, uh, in concentrated poverty that 60% of people in the zip code can live uh, below the poverty line, and everybody else just moves to the north, moves to the west, um, and moves, you know, moves out. And uh, we have that in Fresno, and so I think for the well, we're beginning to get to the stage where it's like, hey, it's time we move back into that area. It's time we as a church say we care about that area and the only way to make lasting impact is if we are there. Um, you see I, uh, Jesus starting his ministry by quoting Isaiah 61. That's a good place to check out. And then James, I mean, is full of that fact that your words have to match your actions um, and that we as Christians have to love the poor and have to take care of those around us. Uh, I was at a conference on Thursday just an interesting point, I, I was re-brought up, I have it in that last paragraph, is well, what, do you, what was um, Sodom, you know, Sodom and Gomorrah got destroyed, what was their sin? Why did God destroy them? That's a question. Sexual sin. The sexual sin? Yeah, so Brian was my plant there. He was given. Hey, we think you know there was just it was just the uh, like the homosexuality and just they were just rampant sexual sin. It was just a mess there. But if you check out Ezekiel 16, God says it's because they didn't care for the poor. That is the sole reason why, uh, or yeah, the the reason why God destroyed Sodom. Uh, and I think we in America need to take that to, take that to heart uh, and stop fleeing the cities. So um, Brian and Garth walked through some of those principles overall of community development. And it was just refreshing to, for us as uh, missions just to see that people have been doing this for a while. Um, would you guys mind handing out uh, these? I'll take one of them. There's not enough for everybody, so you just kind of have to share. Uh, I just want to kind of tell you what we're doing in case you don't know. Currently, the well started uh, partnering with Susan B. Elementary. We picked Susan B. Uh, it's on Blackstone and all of downtown. And we picked them because uh, they just had really low performance scores. It was a school that you could tell was just being left behind in Fresno. And so we probably started doing stuff there uh, about six years ago. Yeah. 
Um, it started with Saturday Sports, which was like a five, four or five hour uh, sports program on Saturdays. And we're like, man, we need to get more into these kids' lives. It's good to hang out with them once a week, but uh, we can maybe help their test scores improve. So we had people start volunteering in the classroom. Uh, and then we're like, man, these are awesome kids. Let's hang out with them outside of Saturday. And so we started mentoring the kids, and we've built some unbelievable relationships where I know girls are going to graduate college solely because of the work that the Wells has been doing there. You know, they've built these relationships that they're, they're with the families through deaths, through those celebrations. They're in and out, and it's just so awesome. Um, so this kind of, you can see on here what we got going on. That's Saturday sports. Uh, it's a 9 to 11 uh, sports program where we get together, play sports for an hour and a half. Um, we'll have, a, you know, either a skit, message kind of thing, and then have lunch uh, with the students. Uh, we have classroom volunteers that go into the classrooms, uh, and then we also have um, that mentoring program. What, what, that's currently what we're doing. Uh, we also have some exciting stuff starting to happen with Brian and uh, his fiance Kim have just put, uh, got accepted on an offer on a house down in Susan B. So they're going to be our first relocators. And uh, like it's on, the, it's on the back page or on the side page here. Um, relocation for us, like they were talking about, is so huge for our ministry. Uh, we just really believe that for things to get to the next level, to the next step, that we have to have people uh, living there, investing themselves. And, uh, you know, these are what we have going on now. That's not the limit for us. Um, you know, as, as Brian and Kim start there, as other people um, start to buy houses and move into that neighborhood, it's their gifts and their skills. Uh, we have some people that are really gifted with bikes. Um, like uh, AP, he wants to start a bike ministry down in Tower, or, or down in Susan B, where the kids could just bring their bikes, and, you know, paint my bike. Uh, can be the shop or something. So they just bring their bikes. They get them fixed. They get we could paint them. We could just do that stuff where it creates an avenue for them to relate uh, to those in the community to get to see what it looks like to be a Christian. To, and we just it's that shared experience kind of thing. Um, this is the same thing that's going to transpire for us globally. Uh, Brian and I uh, and my wife Denise had the chance to go to Guatemala this last summer or last winter, like what a month or two ago, two months ago. And uh, the Thailand team also left at that same time. The Thailand team, and both in Guatemala and Thailand, they had the same problem, where what's happening is that the parents don't have really good jobs, and, but they need their, their kids to either translate down in the cities, because they live in villages, so they need them to translate in the cities, or they need them um, to just work. You know, they just need them as a hired hand. Um, and so the kids drop out of school about 6th, 7th, 8th grade. So what... This is a perfect example of where we want to move our ministry. What we did in Guatemala is we passed out backpacks for the kids. So the idea is to hope to you know, push them into school and say, hey, now you have a backpack and some supplies. Let's get into school. Um, what the Thailand team did is they went in. So since the parents really need the kids to work, they first started with health. So they went into the village. They got them running water. These villages had never had running water. Uh, so they bring in uh, toilets and running water, and that gets rid of 60% of diseases in that villages. So, bam, overnight, 60% of the diseases are gone. They then go in and they teach them how to just do vegetable gardening, you know, just for sustenance, that kind of thing. Uh, then they teach them how to grow coffee. Uh, so once they learn how to grow coffee, they then can provide for themselves. So the kids now, instead of growing marijuana or, um, um, what was it? Opium, yeah. Instead of growing opium, they're now growing coffee. Uh, they had gotten them uh, certified with Starbucks, so Starbucks sells their coffee beans in Asia. 
Um, and so now the parents don't need the kids to work. Now the parents have a good, livable income because it's all fair trade. Um, and so now the parents don't need the kids to work. So then what they do is they build an educational facility. So now these kids have a place to go to school because they live in the village. There's no school around. And now that they have running water, the teachers will stay in the village because they now have running water. And it's safe and it's healthy to stay there. They, and then they build a health clinic in that village because now they've gotten you know, rid of most of the diseases. There's still a lot of things. So they bring in a health clinic. And that's a whole, it's a five-year process to get a village out of just you know, sustenance just barely getting by to hopefully bringing them in, you know, to <clears throat> taking care of their needs. Through this whole time, the gospel is being shared. These are all Christian workers, all the, um, the Korean people, that's the, the villages they go to in Thailand. The Korean people, all the translators are Christian. And it's just a process of exposing them to Christ, but at the same time, you know, you have to take care of their physical needs. Um, and so this is something globally. This, these principles where you're living among them, you're going to reach their felt needs, you're going to share your life experience, um, that's going to happen globally and it's going to happen locally here in Fresno. So uh, we're really excited for, for the potential. Uh, if you go to the last page, turn on the back page. There's a quote there um, that I just think is really is really powerful. We must recognize that a call to serve the poor is not the call God gives us. Rather, God calls us to come in the form, God's call will come in the form of a call to serve in a defined way in a particular community. Uh, for so many of us, we just, you know, plan ourselves, we buy a house, buy it somewhere, and we just say, uh, you know, I'll do my ministry here on the north side. Uh, Don had a good, uh, good uh, guild session just before, but it happens, has to happen just where you live. And as the well, we are just saying we need to live where we're going to minister. So if we're going to do stuff at Susan B., we need to have people living there. If we're going to do stuff at Easter B., which is our southeast campus, we've adopted a school there. We have to have people living in that community that know the needs, that know the people, and that can gather them together and create things that are for them, not, hey, oh, yeah, you need this. We'll do this for you. You know, obviously, you guys, you know, don't know how to, uh, speak right or how to you know do these different things we'll just give it to you um, that's not going to be our intention that's not going to be what we want to do as a church and and with our mission so uh, that's a really good quote um, and so I, my challenge for you guys is just to think about what your call is uh, where where it needs to be um, we need people to move into the neighborhood uh, we're going to be having investors that are going to be purchasing houses here soon. I took a couple out last week um, that are looking to buy houses. So we're going to have houses opening up that we need spots to fill. We want to create a program that kind of like what the pink house is. The pink house is a 10-month, um, basically like urban, I don't know, you can kind of... It's an urban training center is what they call it, where you live in community in four different apartments with people you never would have come across otherwise. You know, like uh, just, just the diversity of... Um, the residence is uh, crazy, but um, then every week you do dinner together and you do um, a certain like curriculum that you go through, and that includes like a, a, a you go to a Christian community development um, conference where you learn what's going on in the country and why why we're doing what we're doing. So you're basically living almost in an apartment together with a bunch of people, and then you have to volunteer five hours a week. Um, Brian went through that. I have some flyers if you guys are interested in that. You guys could even serve, living in the pink house, you could serve in our target neighborhood. That could be your ministry that you volunteer five hours a week. Um, so that's a great... They're accepting applications right now as well. Yeah. Which is an awesome program. Yeah, and so I got some flyers for that if you're interested. Um, but 
as we begin to move into this phase, um, even in the communities you guys live in, um, whether you're at the FIG, FIG campus, what does it look like to engage in Wawona? What does it look like to, if you're in Southeast, engage in Easterby? Um, for North, even if you live in this area or you have kids at Maple Creek or you go to Maple Creek or, you know, engage the communities you're living in because that's where uh, God's called you. Um, and then just this, this final quote, just one of those... Uh, just big charges. Uh, I'll read it. Christian community development takes total submission of yourself, your resources, and your family. This kind of submission is an act that happens on the altar of the heart, where you lay down what you value and dedicate it to God's service. In order to do this, uh, you have to be committed to what God is doing, more committed than you are to your own agenda, to your own comfort, to your own will. Uh, you're if you are committed to a cause, you don't abandon it, even when things get tight. And if you're interested like, in exploring this kind of idea, like I put there, there's some resources. We have a lot of books, and we're starting to accumulate more on what is Christian community development, what does it look like. Um, we're starting to have these conversations a lot of how do we, because uh, you know this is kind of what we have. We also do Serve Day, which is May 17th. We're going to cancel all our services at a, as a church, and each church is going to partner in its area and in its community. So what is that going to look like, and how can we do that? Uh, that's a very doing uh, stuff to the community. How can we make that more, you know, more engaging? How can we have the community do it with us? Um, we do stuff like Mission Christmas, where we select families in the neighborhood. How can we do that where they're being empowered and we're not just throwing stuff on them and saying, all right, here's a Christmas for you. And the, and the, and the dad you know, that can't provide for that Christmas is just sitting there embarrassed and humiliated because you know, these bunch of white people came in and gave him a Christmas that he couldn't provide for his kids. So how can we as a church begin to do those things? And I think they're good things. I think there's times that you have to do those. You may have to do those kinds of things, but how can we do that with a heart and just saying we want to empower you, we want to bless you, but we want it to be something that is actually going to help you get out of poverty and not just keep you there. So that's our heart. Um, yeah. So any, any questions before we uh, end? <coughs> any other thoughts you guys want to add? Oh, we're talking about the thrift store. Just how that started, what you're trying to do with people that are working there. Um, so the thrift store is down in the Tigert neighborhood. It's about three or four blocks um, away from it. Um, as this whole process of kind of target neighborhood, um, the, like this is the one of the final steps of being the economic development change in there. So we've noticed a lot of the um, community members do not have jobs and don't have references, and um, a handful of them that we've met have only education from Mexico up to third grade. You know, so it's like. How, do, how can we come alongside of them and prepare them for a future workplace? Um, so that's kind of the heart of the thrift store as well, just being there to feel the needs of what's going on there um, and helping um, get volunteers from the well down there to, to, to check it out and see, what, see what's happening down there. Um, even though it's simply, um, it may be simply selling a t-shirt for a buck fifty, um, there's a lot more that's going on um, with the relational ties, I guess, down there. And then that, the whole idea behind the thrift store is a developmental piece where what the church could have done is we could have opened a clothes closet where people come in and, you know, they just get, you know, the well gets clothes collected from whoever. And then we say once a week, come in and get clothes. 
well, what does that do with the people that come in? As soon as somebody comes in, well, then they start grabbing 15, 20 clothes. Then you say, no, you can't have, you can only have three a day. And then somebody's the Nazi. That person that was taking those clothes, they don't feel empowered. They feel like, you know, I'm just, you know, taken and taken and taken. So when they come into the thrift store, they buy a shirt for a buck. But there's still a sense of, I, just own, I own this, I bought it, there's dignity there. Um, and so that's, you know, even in that, that's the intentional decision on the, on the Wells' part to say, we want to participate in developmental pieces uh, instead of just handing out stuff. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a much more powerful piece when the money that they're spending, right, the money that they spend a dollar for that will eventually go back into the community to provide a paycheck for one of their neighbors. You know, I mean, it's just like... It's a pretty simple idea, but is radically kind of played out. And I, I kind of have a story with that too, because um, before the thrift store, I used to um, drive a truck for a company here at the well, and I was involved in Target Neighborhood, and everybody would want to, they knew I drove a truck, and they knew about the ministry, and so they would always be giving me stuff to bring out to the neighborhood, and I would collect it for a time, and then, you know, maybe on uh, Thanksgiving or Christmas, we would just go out and just start dumping it on the, the sidewalks, you know, and, and so that's an unhealthy form of redistribution there. That's not affirming anybody's dignity. That's just like, oh, we know you guys are poor, so here, take all this stuff. So now we have the thrift store. We're using those same trucks, and now we're using those trucks to put the stuff in the store that's not being used here, and then, like Brian said, the money is uh, turning over in that uh, part of the community, so something that... <laughs> you learn the hard way, but without that, we may not have had a thrift store, you know, so powerful. Yeah, so, I mean, you're welcome to come and join us in any of the local things we're doing, um, and then the guys at the thrift store, it's so fun to volunteer there. If you've ever been in there, it's a party all the time, so um, they're looking to maybe get a new uh, facility soon, so they might be going from a 2,000 square foot building to 20, so they're going to need some help. Jordana? Yeah, I think I think as you serve as a life group, I think that is so healthy. You create a sense. One, it's a good connection point because a lot of times you go to life group, but you don't have a chance to connect outside of life group. So it's just kind of what you're talking about, or hey, how was your week? So it's a good connecting point outside of it. But two, you create a sense of like we're a team, we're a family, we're serving. It's a great connection point. So I think Saturday sports is always a good one, and then at the thrift store. Yeah, we have Tuesday nights available where we have a. Um, uh, eight, one of our uh, other employees, AP, is there. Um, waiting for people to sign up online. You can go to the missions page and put how many people you got going on there, and, and we'll be there. So and, uh, what I, time? I, that's at like, I think, uh, 6.30 on Tuesdays. And so I would even encourage going, you know, like any time you say, I got six people that want to come down, we'll, we'll make it happen. We're super flexible in that. And I, would, I think a great piece would be maybe check out Saturday Sports from 9 to 11 and come volunteer from 11 to 12 at the thrift store. They're right around the corner and you get to see a, see a lot of what's happening, you know? Cool. Any other thoughts, questions? <clears throat> a little more comments. Uh, I know you're trying to move into the community, but what is what do you perceive God leading you to your role being in that community in terms of Interrelating to those that might come in as volunteers, uh, are you going to sort of do, evaluate the needs that you can see, and then 
uh, kind of direct individuals that may want to volunteer in particular ones towards those? Or yeah. More I, yeah, I think, um, I mean, live, uh, owning a house in that neighborhood gives yeah. a big sense of ownership. So, um, as Kim and I were talking about, like, it'll start maybe with advocating for what's happening in the neighborhood. Like, because now I'm a, I'm a owner in that, like, community. I'm not just renting. I'm paying taxes, and they should listen to me whether, you know, it, it's, it's just an avenue that a lot of people in the neighborhood have never done and don't know how to do. So, coming alongside them and showing that. But I, I, I even went by that, the uh, possibility of that house, and the, the neighbor already shops at the thrift store. I'm like, wow, that's not a sign. I don't know. You know, so like just seeing, like letting her know that like if she has an opportunity to come and volunteer or maybe even um, if an expansion happens, we could pay her per, you know, hour to get her on her feet a little bit and figure out kind of what, what she wants to be doing and things. So um, just facilitating that uh, role into the thrift store, you know, and building upon those relationships and um, letting them know that we have a thrift store. That will probably be a good start too, you know. Does that answer that at all? Well, I was thinking the other way, too. You were talking about the community, people being involved mm -hmm. through your direction into what's going on. But how do us up here at St. North Campus um, know where you may have identified a need? Right, okay. To, to get into. Well, there's always a need for volunteering. Like, the only way that I think Garth and I are able to uh, keep a job is to be able to um, and to keep our costs low so we can hire people from the neighborhood is to have volunteers help us out in all the walks of uh, the thrift store from tagging and pricing to sorting and just uh, uh, hanging out and, and greeting people, you know. Um, that's kind of, and then working alongside the community members in that um, is always a need for sure, as well as donations. Donations are huge, you know, and um, letting people know and advocate for the thrift store to other people, maybe why they should give to neighborhood thrift instead of Goodwill, you know, like, or something like that. Not that Goodwill's a great organization. Not <laughs> 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 to slash that. But you know what I mean? Like, like your goods will be, you know, well, and you'll, run the it, store. And I think what he's saying there, too, is you'll, you, if you want, you can be, they have a send out an email list of, you know, all their volunteers and just what's going on at the thrift store, how you can help. They send that out weekly now. So you can get on that, too. If you want to write your emails down, we can throw you on that. We'd love for you to be a part of that. I guess I was kind of thinking, well, when you get moved in there and you find out your next-door neighbor is a 70-year-old lady who you walk in her house and the dishes are up to the top of the, yeah. to the ceiling and she can't do that, yeah. can't handle that or something. Uh, and somebody says, uh, a couple young gals coming around and say, well, Come in and they wash up the dishes once in a while. Oh, yeah, sure. Roll the sleeves. Like that. that would be simple things, but yeah. still uh, add to the variety there. Or exactly. Gals or guys that are good at plumbing, you know, somebody's got a leaking faucet, you know, sure. come and fix that, you know. Yeah, Exactly that. And possibly starting like a tutoring program in the back of the house where it runs once a week and we can start getting, getting to know the kids more. Yeah, I'll, I'll wrap up with a final note on that. Is uh, we're gonna we have a website. So if you go to the well, you go to thewellcommunity.org. That's the Wells website. If you click on missions, um, what we have is a really cool site where you can sign up 
for missional opportunities. So like stuff like that, we want to roll out to the camp, the church as a whole and say, hey, we got this need, who wants to help out? Um, and so just be checking that. Um, we keep it updated. So uh, as we get to know those needs, that's what we put them. Um, and then we might send out an email or two to you know some people, but um, that there will always be updated with what's going on missionally, how you can serve um, in different projects. Like right now there's a couple at Raintree, a, a convalescent home in Southeast. We started projects last week. We weren't able to finish. We need some people to lay blocks. We need some people to paint. We need some people to do something else. I can't remember what it is, but that's on the website right now. So you can go there, check it, see what it is, and sign up your life group or sign up a team, whatever. So um, let me just pray uh, for what we're doing, what we got going on, and um, just God's work in in our city. Dear Lord, uh, thank you for all these folks here, and uh, we just pray that you would continue to guide us as a church. Um, We thank you that we can be at a church that uh, has missions as a core value. Um, that loves uh, the globe, loves the city, loves Christ, and wants to uh, see those all work together. And I just pray to continue to guide uh, the guys at the thrift store um, and uh, the guys at Every Neighborhood Partnership and just uh, us at the well, that we would be faithful as a, as a church to um, uh, love our city and pray that for each and every one here that we would find our mission, find our call, and engage our city Uh, Just thank you for the gospel, and thank you for uh, what you're doing, Lord. Amen.